Country Studio Production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Like mother, like daughter. Well, that's what they say. Typically, people are referencing looks or attitude. But with a mother and daughter pair of Tracy Wawasuk and Cassidy Rainwater, like mother, like daughter, takes a far more tragic meaning. Where we could have only prayed for the apple to be taken far, far away from this tragic family tree. Cassidy Rainwater's mother, Tracy Wawasuk, went missing in 2007. Based on previous news reporting, Tracy's remains were found scattered in a field near the town of Lebanon a year later. I'm Chris Lohn, and these are the Mountain Mysteries, Episode 41, Tears of Malice. I will be the last to fall. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd. But they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. unusual, strange. Some of the statements made by people. So strange that we'll have to go on with the new evidence that we have and see where that leads us. Those were the words of former Laclede County Sheriff Richard Rinkle. That's what he told news agencies during an interview in 2008. Tracy's disappearance was reported by KOLR 10, the local news station. They called it suspicious, but no cause of death has ever been released on her case, not to this day, and no one has ever been arrested. A central Missouri farmer found her bones and clothes in May of 2008. Police say that the 43-year-old woman had been missing for more than a year. 
There was this man spreading fertilizer on a Tuesday. And you can imagine his surprise when he discovered a shoe and human bones. Laclede County Sheriff Richard Wrinkle said that he believes the bones are the remains of Tracy Wawasuk, who went missing April 13, 2007. Tracy was last seen in Lebanon, Missouri, near where the bones were found. Her boyfriend told law enforcement that she might have gone looking for arrowheads. The Laclede County Coroner's Steve Murrell recently told local news that the case is still considered one that's open and being actively investigated. But you know what they say after the first 48 hours, it becomes much more difficult to solve a murder investigation. Merrill said at the time he did not believe that there was any connection between Cassidy's situation and her mother's death, only about a year apart. But Cassidy's story is the murder and the mystery that we believe really has to be brought to light. So let's go back just a little bit to July 25th, 2021. Oh, well, that was the last day that anyone, including family members, reported seeing Cassidy. Investigators say that Cassidy Rainwater, who was a 33-year-old woman with ties to Dallas, Green, and Laclede counties, disappeared on that date, July 25th. August 25th, police spoke to Phelps, who allegedly claimed Cassidy had been staying with him temporarily, and then one night just left, uh, according to him, more than likely for Colorado. Phelps stated that about a month before that, Cassidy had met a vehicle at the end of the driveway and left in the middle of the night. Now, his statement alleges that Phelps said that he had not seen Cassidy since. He said that she had been talking about going to Colorado, implying that she must be there by now. The property on Moon Valley Road near Buffalo has a small cabin. That is where investigators believe Cassidy was kept and in a small shack. At least two registered sex offenders listed their address as the property where authorities believe that the two men held Cassidy Rainwater in a cage, according to official records. One registered offender currently lists their address as the Moon Valley property on the Dallas County Sheriff's Department Registry of Sex Offenders. On that same list, another offender listed their address in Buffalo, but a 2008 court document recorded that a charge of illegal pursuing, taking, or killing of wildlife listed their address as the Moon Valley Road property. Now, it's not believed that these two individuals are involved in the kidnapping and murder of Cassidy Rainwater by James Phelps and Timothy Norton, as there have already been omissions of guilt. But these individuals, at one point living at the same location as Phelps and Norton, could speak to the character that these men associate with. James Phelps claimed that he was graciously letting Cassidy stay with him until she got back on her feet. He was actually plotting her murder. Police have not yet given a motive for the grisly crime, but they say that Phelps and Timothy Norton planned it in advance. In reality, the whole time messages between Phelps and Norton showed the two men planning the murder of Cassidy Rainwater, according to police. Police would later interview Timothy Norton on Cassidy's disappearance. The address listed for him on court systems and documents online showed the same address as James Phelps' home on Moon Valley Road. Norton said that he lived in his car because he was an over-the-road trucker. Police found some flaws in his story. 
He told investigators that he lived out of his rig even when he was not actively working. During an interview with Dallas County Sheriff Scott Rice, news reporters asked about the connection between the two men. Rice said that they've known each other for quite a long time, adding that the pair had a long history together. Rice said that, from what he understood, they were classmates back in school. Over the years, they stayed friends since high school, explained Rice. Sheriff Price said the pair was not surprised when they were arrested. He said that Norton did talk about it, and they didn't seem shocked at all, he said. Now, we have began piecing together what really happened the night of July 24th to Cassidy, when she got mixed up with these three murderous longtime friends. Now, right here, I'm going to insert a courtesy warning. Now, I'm not going to go too heavily into detail, but this is an extremely gruesome murder, and you should skip ahead if you don't want to hear the fact about Cassidy's dismemberment. You can skip ahead to about the 12-minute mark. Timothy Norton was called to the house by James Phelps to help him restrain Cassidy. According to the statement, Norton said that Phelps bound her to the gantry crane and Phelps began evisceration and dismemberment of Cassidy's body. Norton stated that he helped Phelps carry Cassidy's body into the house and place her into the bathtub. Now, it's important to really paint this picture to inform everyone that a gantry crane is most commonly used for deer processing. It's a simple machine used to lift up a hunter's prey, more commonly deer, to skin them. On August 25th, 2021, a family member contacted the Dallas County Sheriff's Office saying that they had not seen or heard from Cassidy in an unspecified amount of time. That's when the Dallas County Sheriff's Office opened the investigation immediately and looked into her disappearance and interviews began to happen. The detective, who went out to Phelps' property to question him, noticed the loft on the property looked as if it had been stripped, and they didn't notice any belongings of Cassidy's at the loft at that time. They thought she was gone with the wind. Until September 16th, when the FBI contacted the Sheriff's Office saying that they had received an anonymous tip that Cassidy Rainwater was caged up on Phelps' property. The FBI had received an anonymous tip about photos that appeared to depict a partially clothed Cassidy confined to a cage. Other photos allegedly showed Cassidy's body bound to a gantry crane, commonly used for processing animals, and her evisceration and dismemberment. The statement added detectives recognized Adams in Phelps' backyard that coincided with the photos. When police followed up on this tip, they found seven photos on Phelps' phone that led to his arrest. Phelps was arrested and sent to the Dallas County Jail, where he's currently in custody. Investigators received a search warrant for Phelps' cell phone, and court records said that they found several photos of Cassidy, partially nude, being held in a cage on his property on Moon Valley Road in Dallas County. Investigators seized 200 pieces of evidence, including skeletal remains and human flesh found in a freezer. The human flesh found inside the freezer at Phelps' home had been marked with a date of July 24th. Sheriff Scott Rice said that DNA confirmed Cassidy's flesh was found in a freezer belonging to Phelps. They also found skeletal remains at an adjoining property, which were confirmed by the crime lab to be the remains of Cassidy Rainwater. The sheriff said the adjoining property belonged to Bill Rainwater, Cassidy's grandfather. That ended the search for the missing woman. 
The mountains of Columbia to Pikes Peak. Listen to the Mountain Mysteries, a podcast from the pantry studio of Chris Sloan. Police, the Mountain Mysteries, where true crime meets the paranormal. On September 20th, they brought Norton back and interviewed him again per court records, which is when he admitted to authorities of restraining Cassidy Rainwater back in July. During that interview, police said that Norton confessed that he knew Cassidy was being held at the home of Phelps in a cage. Court records say that he also told detectives that on July 24th, Phelps contacted him to come to his home and help restrain Cassidy, which he did. One day later, Timothy Norton was booked into the Dallas County Jail without bond. James Phelps and Timothy Norton have been in custody since mid-September of last year, charged with first-degree kidnapping, facilitating a felony, inflicting injury, and terrorizing. A woman who knows Cassidy personally and knows of the suspect spoke with the reporters on the condition of anonymity. She said that she can't wrap her head around all of this. She said, quote, I've been incredibly unsettled since the whole menagerie started. She also said that she's continuing to pray for her family. She can't fathom what her family has experienced and that she's heartily sorry that this happened so close to home. The woman recalls Cassidy as being friendly, saying that she would stop by and would even stop and talk when people were outside working. She said, I don't think Cassidy would ever have run off without keeping in some kind of contact with her family. The woman lives near Phelps and says that she's known him for about six years to find out that he was possibly engaged in a crime as alarming to say the least. She also said that she had had encounters with Timothy Norton. They both seem on the seedy side of things, said the neighbor. They also recalled that they've cried a lot thinking. How do you warn somebody? Another neighbor, Bob Hostletter, is thankful that his family is safe. He said it's a horrible deal. All I know is that living this close all of these years, God had a protecting hand for some of us around here. Hostletter lives about a mile away from the crime scene and knows members of the Rainwater family. He briefly spoke with Phelps just one time during the past year as his neighbor and heard the rumors of cannibalism. The rumors of cannibalism have not been confirmed by the police. Now, he's been arrested, and so everyone is potentially involved. Hopefully, it'll all get cleaned up, and it's a bad thing. I can't imagine. I just simply can't imagine, Hostletter said. The house on Phelps' property was later burned down after authorities had processed the scene. On Monday, in the evening hours of October 4th, Phelps' home was burned to the ground. The sheriff's office says Phelps had been renting the home out. Rachel Nicholson, who moved to Lebanon recently, said that she had saw the home go up in flames from a distance. She said that all of a sudden the house collapsed, and then the flames just got bigger and bigger. She also said that her family could feel the heat from the fire, further stating that everything was on fire and they sat there and watched it collapse. She said she called 911 because she was worried about catching the woods on fire and spreading to other houses. Investigators returned to the scene of the fire during daylight hours to analyze the area. Authorities were looking to figure out how the fire started and if there could be uh, more trip wires than one spotted near the home. A county deputy had alerted firefighters after finding a trip wire near the home. A call went out to bring in the Springfield Bomb Squad. Several hours later, the bomb squad detonated the suspicious device. In a Springfield Bomb Squad report, investigators said that they found an incendiary device during a fire at the home connected to James Phelps. In total, the fire department and the bomb squad found two more incendiary devices at the scene of the house fire. And in that report, 
Investigators claim that they found the explosive device in a mortar tube with a balloon cover and coiled fuses with tripwires attached to the devices. The Springfield Bomb Squad removed the device and no firefighters, thankfully, were injured in battling the fire or handling the device. Between Monday and Friday, both buildings, the home and the shack, were either completely or partially destroyed. It was on the 4th of October, the night before Phelps and Timothy Norton was supposed to appear in court, that the Missouri State Fire Marshal's Office investigated after the fire caused a total loss to the home. Eleven days later, investigators with the Fire Marshal's Office concluded that the house fire was a result of arson. Investigators ruled the fire as undeterminable and criminal. On October 5th, Phelps and Norton appeared before a Dallas County judge via a webcam, both represented by different public defenders. During the hearing, prosecutors asked for 45 days until the preliminary hearing due to the number of witnesses needed. But the defense objected based on the fact that the state Supreme Court requirement that allows for only a 30-day period. Dallas County Prosecutor Jonathan Barker said that if he still isn't ready to proceed after 30 days, he would file a motion for more time. A judge initially set a preliminary hearing in both cases for November 5th at 9.30 a.m. A woman who lives near the home, asking for anonymity, said that if these people have committed such horrible crimes as they are accused of, I hope the legal system prosecutes them to the fullest extent of the law. She was very upset about this. In a Facebook post that was put online October 7th, Sheriff Rice addressed rumors in the investigation into the disappearance of Cassidy Rainwater. He wrote that he's upset with social media and bloggers thinking that they know what's happening and says that there's a lot of misinformation circulating around in this case. In the weeks following the arrest, rumors spread on TikTok that the two men had been butchering humans and storing, even selling their meat. The sheriff encouraged people not to listen to TikTok creators sitting in their apartment or in their mommy and daddy's basement eating great value cheese puffs and drinking box wine with grand intentions of being a social media superstar. He added that the 99.9999% of what's been posted to social media is nothing more than crap. He also discouraged people from traveling to the area to trespass, litter, vandalize, harass, or destroy the property. A lot of people in the community have spoken about the latest information, including Windyville business owner Katie Heflin. She said that it's horrible, but as a community, even though we didn't know her, we're still praying for the family, and we know that she has kids. We're all praying for them. No matter what she did, she didn't deserve that. No matter what had happened, said Heflin. Heflin did go on to say that she feels that the Dallas County Sheriff was not completely honest with the community when addressing the rumors surrounding the case. She said, quote, I don't think that he was being truthful. To say that 99.9% of the rumors are false when what came out today confirms 75% of them. That means that about 25% of the rumors were false. So... It is very confusing for everyone, said Heflin. On October 29th, a motion was filed to request a new judge for Phelps, but before the request, a preliminary hearing in Phelps' case was scheduled for November 5th, 2021. Dallas County Judge Lisa Henderson was expected to hear the case of Phelps and Timothy Norton, a second kidnapping suspect. A judge did end up approving the request for a new judge for James Phelps, a man at the center of all of this. They did decide upon Judge John C. Porter to hear the case of James Phelps. Due to the change in judge, the preliminary hearing that had been scheduled for November 5th in the Phelps case was canceled. According to court records, attorneys for Timothy Norton filed a motion to address his bond and to seek a release from jail. 
The Dallas County prosecutor charged Phelps and Norton with first-degree murder and the death of Cassidy Rainwater. The prosecutor also charged them with the abandonment of a corpse. They each faced kidnapping charges in Cassidy's disappearance. Attorneys for Phelps argued for Bond, saying that they had a safe place for him to stay. They also argued that his lack of violence in his past was a reason for Bond. During a hearing on Friday, November 19th, a judge denied Phelps' request to set Bond, citing that there was no amount of money or conditions to ensure Phelps would not try to flee or harm someone else. Norton himself was not present, but his attorney, Brandon Twybell, did appear, and the judge sustained his motion to step down as Norton's defense and Thomas Kirsch from Jefferson City was then assigned to Norton's case. Twybell did not state why he wished to step down from the case. Norton himself did not hire Twybell or Kirsch. The court says that the public defender's office hired both on Norton's behalf. Norton's attorney decided to postpone taking up a previously filed motion to discuss the bond. Judge Henderson says the request will be talked about Friday, February 2nd at that court date. Norton appeared in court on November 23rd and pleaded not guilty. Now, this guy will have a preliminary case hearing on the 2nd of February this year. James Phelps, one of the two men accused of kidnapping and killing Cassidy Rainwater, will have a hearing on February 4th at 9 a.m., the date that was set December 10th, 2021, as Phelps had appeared in court via video conference. According to court documents, the evidence against Phelps and his co-defendant, Timothy Norton, includes a lot of gruesome photos of Cassidy as well as her remains that were found on the victim's property. So prosecutors have not charged Phelps or Norton with crimes involving other victims yet. But at a hearing in November, Dallas County Prosecuting Attorney Jonathan Barker said that Norton told law enforcement officials the two would, quote, troll the internet and nearby Walmart for victims, end quote. Sheriff Rice says that investigators have not located any evidence at this time, leading them to believe that there's any other victims associated with Phelps or Norton. Phelps and Norton will remain in jail as their cases progress. Phelps will be back in court February 4th for that preliminary hearing we told you about, while Norton's preliminary hearing is February 2nd. Updates could be done after they are tried and sentenced. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that Cassidy and her mother may be gone, but they're are people out there who still love them. If there's anything about this life that goes on, it's love. It's not just cases and things like that, but love will always continue. Her children, her exes, neighbors, who still speak so warmly about her. Local news met up with a man named Ben near his home in the metro area. He's the biological father to one of Cassidy's sons. Ben was found by combing through old court records by local news, and for the sake of his privacy, we will not reveal his full name. He did say, though, that, quote, I don't think the end result is going to be one that anyone wants to hear. Ben and Cassidy met when she lived in Harrisonville. She went to high school there. She never married, but they remained friends and communicated quite often. Their son is 16 now and lives with another family outside the area. Ben said that it's kind of rare for her to disappear. We talk several times in a year. Last time they spoke was May of 2019. That was over two years ago. Then, last month, Ben got word of Cassidy's disappearance by the adoptive parents of his biological son. Ben said the family is trying to shield their son from news surrounding Cassidy's case, rightfully so. Ben said that it's shocking and devastating. He tried to find words to describe his feelings, but... I can't imagine he could even process those feelings. Cassidy did struggle at times, but 
Ben said that in their last conversation he offered to help her, believing Cassidy was homeless and trying to support another child that he's not even biologically related to. No, I suppose love knows no bounds. He said that he always worried about her just because of her past. She was always in a bad way and he, when she talked to him, he said that he was like, you know, come to Kansas City, we'll get things figured out. She was hoping to get her life back together. For now, Ben can only wait while the investigation continues, admitting those who know Cassidy are bracing for the worst. He said it's not going to be good, and he's right, it's not. Police note that their investigation into Cassidy Rainwater's murder continues and ask that anyone who believes that they may have any kind of information concerning this case call the Dallas County Sheriff's Office at area code 417-345-2441. Again, that's area code 417-345-2441. And to close this week's episode of The Mountain Mysteries, do you or someone you love need immediate help with homelessness, domestic violence, or mental illness? You have options. We, as the Mountain Mysteries team, would love to never cover another case like Cassidy Rainwaters again. Dial 211 to access free and confidential referral services. That's 211. That's all you've got to do. You'll find programs that can help with housing, access to health care, food, and other services. Now, if you're in a situation with domestic violence, that is never acceptable. Never. Call 1-800-799-7233. Speak with an advocate about your situation. You'll find confidential crisis intervention, safety planning, information, and referrals to agencies in your area. Again, for National Domestic Hotline, the the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. I know a lot of young people listen to this podcast. I think we've all at some point in our adolescent years, in our younger years, toyed with the idea of running away from home because we think things will be so much better, and in most cases, they wouldn't. If you're thinking about leaving home, call the National Runaway Safe Line. You can do so at 1-800-RUNAWAY. That's 1-800-786-2929. 1-800-786-2929. Or start a live chat from their homepage to access help for kids and parents facing homelessness. This is an unprecedented time that we live in. Things are so much different than when I grew up and when many of the people that listen to this podcast grew up. So I'm going to give those numbers again, okay? To get free and confidential referral services for homelessness or mental illness, you can dial 211. That's 211. For the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. The truth of the matter is that if somebody claims to love you, they will never physically hurt you. They will not be emotionally or mentally abusive to you, and they will not speak poorly of you. That is abuse. One form of abuse is one form too many. Again, 800-799-7233. And if you're thinking about running away, call 1-800-RUNAWAY. That's 1-800-786-2929. All that we can do is pray that you will use those phone numbers if you need them. I'm Chris Lone for The Mountain Mysteries. 
Remember to log on to Q95FM.net and you can hear me live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 and uh, listen to some great music. But also log on to our website at www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. There you'll find a lot of resources and, uh, of course, some really just a lot of cool stuff. We'll hope you check that out. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash themountainmysteries. Until the next time, stay mysterious. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support The Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.